Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world, you get in four minutes. We start things off in Portland, Oregon. Suns a winner, 127-116. They shot 60% from the field. Devin Booker, 34.7 assists, no turnovers. D-Book, what was the difference? I think the game, NBA, is it's a game of runs. I'm uh, sure you can cut those off and you know, go to certain packages and get my stops when needed. The better start. They had a big run dominating the second quarter, and they were able to run that through the rest of the game. Four starters scored, a, scored 20 points. Now they're the, holding eight seed, one game out of the seven. They're off tonight, home against San. San uh, I don't know why Sacramento was hard to say. Home against Sacramento tomorrow. Huge bounce back win, crushing the Wild six to nothing. Connor Ingram leads the NHL. He had his fifth shutout. He had 38 saves. Bukestad had a hat trick. Keller had three points as well with two goals. They scored in the first five minutes of the game, led the first period 3 0. Head coach Andre Turin. First period, I think we played the right way. We had urgency defensively. We're stingy defensively. We played a solid period. Flames beat the snot out of the Coyotes last week. They have a chance for revenge. They're in Calgary tomorrow night. Lots of news. We'll start with hoops. One of the worst weekends in U of A sports history. They lose to Washington State 73 to 70. Tommy Lloyd says, hey, it's tough on the road at this conference. It's always tough on the road. I mean, we knew that. You know, we have a lot of respect for Washington State. Kyle's a great coach. And, you know, they came in with a good plan today and, you know, got us, you know, you know a little bit uncomfortable. And we were able, never able to kind of sort it out for a, a big enough session in the game to, to make a big run. Caleb Love had 28 points, but he took 25 shots to do it. U of A is now home against USC on Wednesday night, but that's not the end of the U of A news. Jed Fish has accepted a seven-year, over $54 million contract to become the head coach of the Washington Huskies. That's double his current deal. The, the search for a new head coach for U of A football begins immediately. Antelopes all over Tarleton State, 74-48. Right now, GCU is 16-1 on the season with only a neutral sight loss to South Carolina. McLaughlin had 20 points on only 10 shots. GCU takes on Utah Valley Thursday night. All right, let's rifle through everything NFL. AFC went first on Saturday. Browns destroyed Houston, 45-14. D'Amico Ryans, what'd you see? We had a tough matchup, and our guys fought, 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 made plays we needed to make to win the game, and really just thankful, grateful for everybody in the locker room, and what an outstanding performance by our guys. Chiefs beat up on Miami 26-7, a high of five degrees. Andy Reid, what'd you see from your quarterback? Uh, Pat uh, had, a, had a nice day just right from the get-go. I mean, I don't think they are anticipating us throwing the ball quite as much as we did, but... We were able to come out and, and sling it. A lot of quarterbacks can't do that, um, what he did in that kind of weather. NFC on Sunday, Matt LaFleur, you led Green Bay to a win over Dallas. 
certainly we knew it was going to be difficult, and uh, you know, hats off to Dallas making it a game at the end of the game, and uh, bad decision by me by pulling our guys and having to put them back in. Screwed this one up by taking too long, but we'll keep going anyway. Dan Campbell, Lions, a winner by a point. Jared Goff looked great. How'd you do it? In the critical moment, seal the game. We put it in Goff's hands. He gets it to Saint, and we're able to kneel on it. So, it's an outstanding job. That was about the last play. Amon Ross St. Brown had 110 yards. Games today, Pittsburgh at Buffalo at 2.30. Philly at Tampa Bay at 6.15. And finally, oh yeah, meet Logan Los. Logan is a 16-year-old flying alone for the first time. His father and stepmom live in Florida. He was waiting to see his mother in Ohio on a flight to Cleveland. And he ended up in San Juan, Puerto Rico. <laughs> You see, they didn't bother checking his ticket. And in the Tampa airport, the flight that leaves for Cleveland leaves from the same gate as the flight that leaves for Puerto Rico. The kid got there so early, he got confused, walked on to the flight to Puerto Rico, and they never even checked his ticket. Didn't realize he had done it. The lesson here to my wife, quit showing up to the airport too early because it gets confusing. Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat. You walk over for happy hour with your wife. You might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime. Or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. the Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our honky-tonk brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. For those of you that are working today, we're here for you at WTSMTV.com. For those of you that have the day off, Please remember why you have the day off today and that it is all of our responsibility to keep the dream alive for all Americans. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever it is that you've decided to make Unprod's Unplugged a part of your day, 
My family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Bronson. You have found the only podcast and TV show in the world. Totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and your TV every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Mercs. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. It is 6.09 in the morning right now. Usually around this time, it's about 6.07, because the four-minute offense takes four minutes. Today, it took six. I hate screwing up. (laughs) It's just, I hate, hey, deal with it, figure out what happened, get over it, move on. That's that's what I tell other people, but that's not what I listen to. I just that's gonna sit and dwell in my head for a long time. How are you? Thanks for being a part of Doug Franz Unplugged today. Uh, I was supposed to eat lunch with Sweet Lou yesterday. Wasn't or not yesterday? Uh, last week wasn't able to do it, so we've rescheduled it for today. So I'm excited to see Sweet Lou. Talk to him about trying to get a golf outing on the uh, schedule for all of us in the Unplugged Army. Been a while since we've been together since the Christmas party at Bell's Nashville Kitchen, so maybe do something in February. I'm kind of in the mood for a uh, like a Valentine's Day thing, but that might be right in the – it's right before spring training, so I think it should work because they're going to be totally loaded up uh, during spring training. Cold weather supposed to be done for us basically today for the rest of the – I mean, not you know, you'll, we'll have those uh, arbitrary weekends and stuff where it always gets cold, but I just mean – Thank goodness we got through this last little bit, which was miserable. I, I, I can't stand the cold. It's why I live here. And I realize the rest of the country, if they're watching or listening right now, they're furious at even remotely hearing me talk about the weather in a negative way that we have compared to what's going on in the rest of the country. Buffalo today, if you're wondering, uh, yesterday they, they changed the rule. You're, it's a travel advisory in Buffalo Unless you're a shoveler, if you're going to Highmark Stadium, home of the Bills, to sh- to help shovel, you're allowed to travel only for that reason. The Bills will pay you twenty bucks an hour, but they're only accepting the first two hundred people. Now, I don't know what the temperature is right now. What's the weather like in Buffalo today? Snow and twenty-one degrees, a low of eight today the chance of rain or snow precipitation is 50 is 95 percent i made what a uh that's just crazy it is just absolutely crazy and they live there year round like do you guys know it's a free country you can move but it is hilarious the way that they will they will turn people away today from shoveling because they say we're only going to take 200 and they will actually turn people away because the Bills fans are so crazy and such great fans that they're going to load the place up. Uh, and then I was watching the Kansas City game. That was that was incredible. Uh, my weekend was fantastic. All it was was work and sleep. I slept a ton Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Napped every day. It was it was a great weekend. Great weekend. Jeff Weaver Production. What'd you do this weekend? Oh, I hung out with my daughter all weekend. Oh, that's awesome. We had a lot of fun time. What'd you do? What'd you do? Did you? Are you like a board game person? Are you going to the movies? What are you doing? Baseball. She's getting into baseball. She likes baseball. Wow. So we were tossing the ball around this weekend. Um, we were going to take a trip to Flagstaff to go see the snow. Okay. But then I thought better of it. I was like, no. <laughs> I like it down here in the valley. 
<laughs> Did, was she like okay, Daddy, or was she a little grumpy that you've been? Have you been building up the snow and then took it from her? No, because uh, my brother went up there and she was all excited. Hey, I want to go see the snow, and I was just like, eh, let's not. Let's just play baseball down here. Oh, okay. see, it's it's warmer down here. Baseball, baseball brings everything. Okay, <laughs> that's, how old is she now? She's seven. Oh, that's she'll even, be eight in August. That's even better that she. Uh, uh, when she be eight? In, what is August right around the corner? Well, you have just right around the corner. Oh, <laughs> uh, what's awesome about that is that you've already turned her onto onto the game now at seven, mm-hmm. and uh, nothing like time with daddy playing ball. That's yeah. it's my father is why I am an enormous baseball fan and uh, Elizabeth Breeze. I have my Kansas City Monarchs t-shirt on today I, of all crazy things i got this t-shirt in san francisco i don't really know why and i have been to the negro leagues hall of fame i don't know seven eight times in my life and never saw a t-shirt this cool and then this t-shirt is about the negro leagues hall of fame about the kansas city monarchs but it was at just the ballpark in san francisco so i i had to jump on that and that was uh, it was special the guy that i bought it from he had a whole bunch of negro league stuff and uh and him, and I don't know if that was his girlfriend, his sister, his wife, but they had been there many times and knew some of the same people that I knew from the times that I had done, uh, helped out at a couple fundraisers for the Negro League Hall of Fame. So it was kind of cool to uh, meet somebody that has uh, ex- had some of the same experiences in that museum. So, uh, and of course, I wore, I usually just put this t shirt on because it's the next in the rotation or I grab something, but I made a conscious effort today on Martin Luther King Day to uh, to honor the Negro Leagues. Um, how about that story? The kid, the kid flying to Puerto Rico instead of Cleveland. Like, you at least think we can keep you in the continental United States. Oh, our bad. We, we got a little confused between a state and a territory. Sorry, Mom. <laughs> that one's a winner. They didn't check his ticket. So he's supposedly, supposedly this gate, the flight's going to San Juan, and then the next plane that pulls up to the gate is going to Cleveland. But he got there so early, he got confused, got up, and the and the gate agent didn't even grab his ticket. Just said, oh, sure, sure, go ahead, go ahead. And didn't want the boy to be late, never checked the ticket. Then he's halfway there, and they realize, wait a minute. Well, I don't understand how that happens from a seat situation, unless obviously the seat's not full, but... How a flight attendant to say, wait a minute, So no one's supposed to be sitting there. What's going on? I don't know how an international flight is in the same gate as a domestic flight. How does that happen? I Sorry for the geography lesson. That is not an international flight. That's why. So there you go. Puerto Rico is a U.S. territory. It is not a separate country. Well, still should be international. <laughs> wait, international means new, like different country. So... Yeah. If you're flying from Detroit to Windsor, I'm kind of making a joke there, um, then you would be at an international gate. But don't worry, there are no flights from Detroit to Windsor. Do you know why? Because they're about an inch apart. That's why. Um, yeah, that, so you, you can easily do that to San Juan, Puerto Rico, and it's Tampa. So I'm betting they have quite a few flights out of different Florida airports to Puerto Rico all the time. But that, one, that one's a winner for Frontier. You're going to have a hard time on that one and now one thing i was a little confused is why the dad and the stepmom if it was his first time flying i realize at 16 you'd think they know but why this why they didn't one of them didn't walk to the gate because you can get a gate pass with a minor if you want and then you would have been right there at the gate with them and then you could have gotten them on the correct flight um 
I'm, I'm highly entertained by this story, as long as everybody's okay. All right, sound credits today. I'm going to need your help a little bit, Jeff Weir Production. Where did you get all of the NFL sound from? Do you know? All from their websites. Oh, very good. So Packers.com, Texans.com, uh, let's say Chiefs.com. I think it's KCChiefs.com, actually. It's actually Kansas City Chiefs. Is it? I okay. you have to spell it out. Wow, KansasCityChiefs.com. And then who did I miss? I just gave four of them. Lions? I, I didn't give Lions.com. Um, is that Lions or is it Detroit Lions? I think, I think it's Detroit Lions. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. So those uh, four, Dwayne Rankin's Twitter handle through NBA Action on YouTube is where we got some of the Sun stuff that we're going to get to. Coyotes PR Department sent us Andre Turney. And uh, ArizonaWildcats.com is where we got some of the, uh, not some of, where we got the Tommy Lloyd. I think that's it. You got it. All right, let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's big one today, every single person that is blasting Jed Fish for taking double his salary is a hypocrite. Thank you. Good. We're done. I'll see you tomorrow. I, this, this story amazes me. How many people would not take double the salary? Double. Whatever you're getting paid, if somebody offers you double today, tell them no thanks. No thanks. The other thing is about this story that amazes me is, do you know anybody that you consider a competitive person? Anybody. I, I don't care who it is. Do you know anybody that you consider a competitive person? If you do, then what competitive means is an unsati insatiable desire to win. That's what it means to be competitive, Okay. Look at UW versus U of A. This is not, I'm not trying to slam, and listen, a lot of you U of A fans, you're intelligent people. I'm only going after the people that were going nuts on Twitter, just the, the, the ignorant fools that are yelling and screaming like they got screwed, or Jed Fish is this horrible guy. I'll rip Jed Fish in a second for one small thing. But this idea, like there's an article in today's paper, this shows us that college football's about money. It's always been about money. I mean, you needed Jed Fish to tell you that? And don't you think winning matters? Which program, in an unbiased way, cares more about winning football? U of A or UW? Which one? U of A's academics right now. The college, the university itself, has a major financial problem. Major financial problem. And UW comes in with better facilities, a better fan base, and more money. And you think he should say, nah, nah, I'm, I'm going to stay. He was begging people to come to the games. Begging people to come to the games. So you're going to have to do that at UW? I mean, U of A fans, I, I just, listen, there are dumb fans in every single team. Every team in America, every university in America, they have dumb fans, they have intelligent fans, all right? It happens all the time. The only fans that I really think are dumb fans are Utah fans and Bronco fans. 
I'm amazed. Every time, every sporting event I've ever been to in the state of Utah, they have no idea what the rules are. None whatsoever. They just start yelling and screaming at any call that goes against them. It's like, do you not know the rules? That was a foul. That was a penalty. They got to throw a flag on that. Do you understand? They don't know the rules at all. But I tell you, the U of A fans that are screaming bloody murder, it is laughable how little you know about college football to get that upset when it's all on you guys. All on you. When you saw the rapid growth of U of A and your coach is begging you to sell out, begging you to come, then as soon as he walked off the field against ASU, as soon as he, there should have been a contract extension right there. What do you mean we're talking about it? And then the contract extension you gave him was that little after what he brought to the table? There's no way. There's no way that's good enough. Not even close. And then if you want to talk about big boy football, here's what's funny. Alabama had to spend $12 million just to get the UW coach. It was a $12 million buyout. UW took the $12 million, gave five and a half of it to U of A. Here you go. We made money. We got Jed Fish and we made almost $7 million. It is a no-brainer for him to take the job. An absolutely no-brainer. Almost $8 million a year. He received over double his current contract. I mean, and what what a lot of people don't understand, and I'll never understand the people that don't understand this. If you are a highly competitive person and you are not providing an atmosphere where the competitive person believes they can win, if they think they're swimming upstream, they're not happy. They're going to do whatever they can to make the situation happy. They're going to do everything they can within their power to win. Jed Fish did all he could do at U of A. But there's no way that he's sitting there thinking everybody else is doing what they can do. And he, he, you get to a point where you realize it's just not going to happen. It's going to take too long for you to catch up to me as a competitive person. He's thinking like that, and now UW has an offer. Of course. Now, from a Jed Fish standpoint, here's the other thing that he's getting ripped for. He said on Jim Rome that his plan is to stay here forever. He wants to stay. He wants to stay. He wants to stay. And then everybody wants to rip him for saying that or saying that that's hypocritical. Let me be the first one to say I don't think that's hypocritical. Because if you say you want to stay, that also means you expect things from other people. And if they decide not to do what they need to do, well, then you want to stay, but you left. So I'm working in Athens, Ohio, market 462, 462. I wanted to stay there the rest of my life. I love Athens, Ohio. I love my university. I even wanted to talk to my wealthy uncle to actually buy this parts of the station so I could run it. All right, I wanted to stay. And all I did was focus on staying. All I did was focus there. And then suddenly Huntsville, Alabama calls. I don't expect it. They make me an offer that's better than what I got. Guess what happens? All right, 
I don't want to stay. Like, I wanted to stay until I realized, wow, there's something else. Okay, let's go. Then I'm in Alabama. I don't want to go. To this day, I love Huntsville, Alabama, and it was some of the greatest moments of my life in which Jennifer and I are young. We're dinks. If you don't know the term, double income, no kids, even though we were poor. We had a bunch of friends that didn't have kids, and all of us started having kids while we were there. It was the most amazing time in my life. Loved it. I never wanted to leave. Then my owner, who owned the the, uh, conglomerate there, sold to a huge company. The huge company and I didn't get along great. They didn't have a lot of understanding of what my job was. So I admit then I tried to get out. I wanted to stay until I realized these people just don't understand what's going on. And I got a job in Kansas City. In Kansas City, I wanted to stay forever. I hated the weather, but oh my gosh, did I love the people and I love the city. So I focus only on staying. And then suddenly Phoenix calls. Wow, I didn't expect that. Boom. Wait, you're offering this? Wait, I get to live here? Okay. I've never left. You can want to stay. That can be your 100% plan and focus because that's all you think about is how can I make today at this job great? He did not think Alabama's head coach was going to retire. He did not think the Washington coach is going to take the Alabama job. He did not think Washington's going to call him. And then Washington did. All of your anger, U of A fans, should be 100% directed at your president, at your athletic director, and at yourself. Yeah, at yourself. If you didn't buy season tickets this year, you were part of the issue. Now, you can yell at me and get mad and say, Doug, this is my family situation. I can't buy season tickets. I can't. Have- okay. That's none of my business. I mean, that's literally none of my business. I support you as a member of the Unplugged Army. God bless you. I know what it's like to struggle. Okay. I, ca- I get it. But it doesn't change the fact that no matter who you are, that's what a coach looks at. The fan base, the facilities, the passion, the opportunity to win. He wants to win a championship. Couldn't do it. Couldn't get it done at U of A. I get it. So he left. Now, the one thing about Jed Fish that this is a small thing. But, Jed, you really screwed this up, I thought, on on social media. You wrote a nice statement. Nice statement. But your social media picture has you and UW get up. Now, I am not the social media god of the world, and I know... I can, I'm going to screw something up on social media, that I'll do something on social media and someone will say, Doug, that's not how that works. You should have done this or that. Okay, I, I need to learn to accept that mistake. I don't know what it is, but I have screwed up on Twitter before myself. Totally screwed up. This one's kind of, it seemed a little, it seemed pretty, I don't know. That, that's, it's easier for me to look at and say that's a bad mistake. I don't know if you t- sign the UW contract, you put on the hat, you take a picture, and then you change your your uh, your avatar, and then there you go. And then you say, you know what, I want to write something nice to U of A. And now you've got this. <laughs> that looked bad. That, that looked really dumb. Hey, look at my cool purple hat. I miss you, U of A. But look how happy I am. Okay. 
That's stepping on somebody's face. You could have done that a lot better. A lot better. Now, U of A, where are you at now? I think this is a monumental mess because I would have to imagine Fafita and T-Mac are both goalie. It was funny. About a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, I was talking with Bruce Cooper, and he was talking about how he he thought it was amazing that Jed Fish didn't go anywhere in the original round of coaching hirings, and uh, but you know he still might leave. But they've got Fafita and T-Mac, or they've got this, they've got that. And I said, no, no, no. Jed Fish is out the door, and he's taking Fafita and T-Mac with him. I said they better get this contract done. Never in a million years did I foresee out the, the the domino effect that had Jed Fish now out the door. But I don't think this is over. I mean, if you're Fafita and T-Mac, don't you want to play in a better conference and don't you want to play in an offensive system that you know that you will succeed in? I, I, I think this guts U of A. And the other thing it does to U of A for years now, if you're a high school kid, let me ask you this question. Why would you play football for U of A? If you're an Arizona fan, I realize you, I can't imagine how mad you are at me right now for saying this, but I'm I'm not being a jerk to you. I'm, I'm asking the legitimate question, and I'm ricking, ripping your athletic department while doing it for not getting the deal done a long time ago with Jed Fish. And that is this. The next head coach you hire, don't you feel like that guy will either fail or he will succeed and leave. It, this, this move just proves U of A, you're not serious in football, you're a minor league. You're a minor league team and people call, you, call your players or your uh, coaches up to the major leagues. That's what you just showed by not getting this deal done. I don't blame Jed Fish for that. I blame the athletic department. And I do blame the school president because you've got a school right now that loses money, a university that's losing money, and they've got to report to the Board of Regents about what's going on. I don't know the particulars behind that. Just in the same way that I ripped Dr. Crow at ASU for his handling of athletics, but I never talk negatively about him in an academic standpoint because it's just an area that I, I'm, just, I'm just ignorant about it. I don't know what it takes to be a good president. So I don't know if everything at U of A is so screwy it's asking way too much for the president to have it fixed by now or if he's been a disaster since day one. I don't know any of that. So I'm not even going to try to go there. But all I know is the university shouldn't be losing money. The athletic department shouldn't be borrowing money from a university that's losing money. Somebody should figure that out. And guess what's the main economic driver of any athletic department at the Division One level? It's supposed to be football. <laughs> at U of A doesn't understand that and you had the guy you had him you didn't get it done so now if I'm a high school recruit I'm looking at U of A saying all right do I really want to go there when I have no idea how long the coach is going to be there I I know that I'm right this is going to sound hilarious I know that I'm right 20 years ago and what I mean by that statement is 20 years ago you as a player it, it 100% matters where your who your coach is and what are their prospects of leaving. Now, I would imagine more players leave than even coaches. I think 
So if I'm a player, now it's, okay, whoever's the head coach, what can they do for me right now? Can I get playing time right now? And then if I outgrow that coach, bam, I'm out the door. I can leave anytime I want. I think that might be the case, but wow, does this look terrible for U of A. Now, a lot of people are ripping Jed Fish because they say players turn down NIL deals to go other places. And then Jed Fish took the money. The number, the problem for me with that discussion is too many people are acting like they were right in the middle of the story. If you have proof that Jed Fish sat across a table from a kid and said, don't go to wherever because of this NIL money because I want to coach you. And then he left. That's kind of crappy unless this isn't a lie. If he said, I don't think it's about the NIL money. I think it's about your NFL money. And I think I can help make you more money in the NFL. But if you want NIL money, you should go. If you want NFL money, you should stay. If he said that, that was true at the moment that he said it. That was totally true in his mind. It's not a lie. If he believes you're going to do better in his offense than you will somewhere else, and you believe you're going to do better in that offense than somewhere else, then it should be about the NFL money. You're going to improve your draft status, which sometimes improves how long you stay with a team, which is talking about the millions of dollars that you can make in the NFL. And then for your whole livelihood, if you can hit three years and get NFL pension, you may not want to think about pension as a 19-year-old college kid, but holy crap is that life changing for you versus the money you're going to blow through because you went to a school with better NIL. I don't know Jed Fish. I don't know if all of those things went into his thinking when he said those things. But this is one of those days where everybody just screams emotions and it's the guy sitting in his parents' basement who isn't even going to games, isn't supporting the program, screaming that the guy's a hypocrite. I just No, he's not. No, he's not. There's Doug's big one today talking about Jed Fish. All right, coming up next. Man, we got a lot of good stuff today. I'm excited about the NFL. But whenever the Suns have a game and the Coyotes win 6-0, and I got some Tommy Lloyd I want to talk about, we still got a lot to do and NFL. So coming up next, let's focus on why the Suns won and why we should all care about tomorrow night against Sacramento at home. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker & Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. 
And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 602-2-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker and Sons. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub and Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. Yesterday was a weird game to watch the Suns. Suns a winner, 127-116. They shot fantastic, 60%, held Portland to 45%. The reason why it was a hard game, though, it was strange. Four starters scored 20 points or more. Four of your five starters. The starter that didn't was Nurkic, and he still went for 14 points, 13 boards. So there's a lot of good things there. Yet in watching the game, it was clear Portland was so much more engaged, hustling a ton more than the Suns. They're just not very good. And they had so many guys hurt that you kind of felt like, how was the game even within 11 points? How was it even a close game? The amount of talent on the court for the Suns versus the talent that was on the court for Portland. It wasn't even close. Yet... It was a reasonably close game throughout, and that's that's kind of a problem. I get it. If the Suns had lost four games this year and they had been flying and they kind of take one game off and just win on talent alone, I would be cutting a little, cutting them with a little bit of slack. But it, it bothers me that you've had so many games of lackluster performance. And then – against a team that's barely considered an NBA team because of injuries, you play like that. I mean, like they are so good, they hit so many shots that you can't like freak out about it. A win's a win. A road win is a road win. Yet, I just I was not impressed with the hustle. It was clearly a game Portland wanted more, and they just weren't good enough to, to beat them. Here is Devin Booker talking to the Arizona Republic's Dwayne Rankin after the game. We're trying to make more shots. Um, we're just trying to stay aggressive. You know, I realize that opens everything up for you know the other guys. And, you know, whenever we play hesitant and try to play too unselfish, you know, it leads to turnovers for us. So you know, we all always have to be aggressive. That's a key phrase here. He, he talked about staying aggressive, and. I can tell I, – I, I'm sure you're the same way. You you can watch the Suns and you get a feel that when we're finally on the floor with Beal, Booker, and KD, everybody's trying to figure each other out. When are you going to go? When am I going to go? How are we going to work this? Because we're all three have been the alpha male on our team – for most of our careers, if not our whole career, now we want to make sure everybody's included and involved. And 
I, I don't think anybody li- – listen, are you upset of anybody with the ball in their hands later on in the game? I'm not, and I don't mind any of them shooting. I would like Beal to defer a little bit to KD and Book, but that doesn't mean sit around and wait for them to get you involved. If you've got a lane and you can take a guy, do it. What I don't like is when the ball sticks. You've got way too much offensive firepower for the ball to ever stick. And what frustrates me about the Suns is it seems like it takes them way too long to get into something. A lot of standing around in the first 10 seconds of the shot clock. And then finally we get movement, but the shot then is a little rushed. And that's especially a problem in the fourth quarter. They are the worst paced team in the fourth quarter of any team in the NBA. Meaning they shoot their first shot the latest in the shot clock than any other team. And that's clearly a bunch of guys standing around trying to either A, find a a mismatch, or not understanding that yes, if you've got the lead, it's okay to eat clock, but eat clock with movement to move for the best shot you can get. And I like how Devin Booker addressed that because the beginning of the fourth quarter was another run. Another bad team making a run in the fourth quarter. And Dwayne Rankin asked Book about the beginning of the fourth quarter. We have to remain aggressive. You know, I think once we get a comfortable lead um, around 10, 15 points, uh, you know, we start trying to use the clock too much, um, which takes away our transition opportunities and takes away from our easy, quick looks. So, you know, just remaining with that, playing fast, regardless the score, and just working on myself. The only time scoring quickly is bad in basketball is if you're not playing good defense, if you're not getting back. Here's what I mean. If you are, if you have the lead, a lot of people say eat clock, where you should eat clock if your team stinks. If you're not very good and there's a good chance for a turnover, then you know what? Eat some clock. I'll never forget this conversation I had with Quinn Snyder. He was, at the time, the head coach of Missouri, longtime head coach at Utah. Now he's in Atlanta. And uh, I did not like Missouri's offense at all. It was the days of, I think the shot clock at the time was 40 seconds. It might have been 35 seconds. I can't remember. And they would come down, and they had this guy, Lennis Claza, had a nice NBA career. But uh, a lot of guys on that team would just chuck up threes early in the shot clock. And that would drive me nuts. Because you, as an average basketball player, could easily get that shot with 10 seconds left on the shot clock. Work to get a better shot. And that's how I'd been raised. Work to get the best shot. Move the ball. People move. Ball moves. Here we go. And when I told that, when I made that comment to Quinn Snyder, he said to me the most frighteningly honest answer I think a coach has ever given me. He said, well, I disagree I think it's better for us to shoot early because we might turn the ball over if we hold it too long. That was, I mean, think about the rawness. How honest is that answer? We're not good. We're playing over our head. We don't have a good enough point guard to control the ball offensively. You got a good shot. Put it up before we turn it over. I was like, wow. Uh, okay. 
Like, how are you going to argue that point? If you're in a legitimate basketball argument, how are you going to argue when the head coach who knows his team better than anybody says, we might turn the ball over if we don't shoot it. So at least we get a shot off. All right. I say that as in why a bad team would want to eat clock. But to me, why did you get the lead in the first place? How did you get here? If you run a fast-paced offense and you score a two and they score a three, okay, we've got a problem. All right? Then we need to eat some clock so they don't have time to hit more threes. If you're not getting back on defense, then it's like a hurry-up offense in football. You go hurry up, you go three and out, you only eat up 90 seconds off the clock, and your defense is right back on the field again. That's not good. But with what Booker's talking about, and I totally agree with him, is that with the lead in the fourth quarter, they kind of go slower. They think, okay, we need to eat clock to win the game. When that's not true. You need to take good shots. When you've got the lead, take even better shots. Don't force anything because you've got the lead. That part is true. But don't just sit around, wait for somebody to run up to the top of the key, waste four seconds while you're watching. No. Move the ball, be aggressive, and if through the natural flow of your offense you're able to get an open look, shoot it. And if you're not able to get an open look, then with about eight, nine seconds left in the shot clock, set up something, a specific late shot clock play. Get the ball into the hands of a shooter and put it up. And the Suns aren't doing that. The Suns really waste a lot of time and play a boring fourth quarter offense that does nothing to advance the lead or increase the lead, I should say. Here's Devin Booker, though, however, trying to just give – Portland credit saying, listen, okay, yes, I just told you we should be more aggressive. I just told you we've got to move the ball, play better in the fourth quarter, and not lose our aggression. However, everybody in the NBA can make a run. I mean, every, every game in the NBA, man, is full of talent. So, you know, I never disrespect those guys and the guys that went out there and played. Even under man, you know, that's somebody's opportunity that wasn't expecting one. So, you know, sometimes that, that plays into a lot of people's confidence. And, you know, we had around 10 15 most of the game, but they got confidence. You know. Yeah, I mean, I just saw a tweet a second ago, which was pretty good, that out of every human being that's ever played high school basketball, so I would be one, Izzy would be one. Out of anybody who ever played any minutes in varsity basketball, only 5,000 of those people through the history of mankind have ever made it to the NBA. (laughs) I mean, it's so funny when you think about the kid, and listen, don't squash anybody's dream, but the kid that's playing freshman basketball that says, you know, I've got the dream of making the NBA. Okay, you've got freshman basketball, You've got JV basketball. You've got varsity basketball. You've got NAIA basketball. You've got NCAA Division Three basketball. You've got NCAA Division Two basketball. You've got NCAA Division One basketball, but maybe as low as the as the Ivy Leagues or things like that. Then you've got mid majors. Then you've got high majors. Then you've got the top ten teams. 
then you've also got all the players in Europe, and then you've got the G League, then you've got NBA people that sit the bench. And, and that, that means when you're saying that, I'm going to be better than all of that. So, yes, Booker's right. Respect everybody. Portland can make a run, too. But when you saw Portland had seven guys on their injury report, this is not an NBA team right now. The team they put on the floor. I get it, Booker. You're right. Everybody can make a run. But that's not an NBA team at all right now due to the injuries. And even if they were healthy, they're really not all that great anyway. So when we say anybody can make a run, I'm going to say, you know what? In that game, you had to let them make runs. You had to be lazy on your closeouts and say, you show me I need to hustle. You show me I need to score in transition. We'll pick it up if we have to. And in the first quarter, they got they didn't get punched in the face, but in the first quarter, the Suns struggled again. And then turned it on in the second quarter and rode that the rest of the way. But what I, I'm still struggling to see this amazing competitive fire. I, I still see and I, I'm gonna look at Kevin Durant for a second. KD has a way of playing the game. In his way, he is a competitor. Okay? In his way, it's hey, I'm a professional. My job is to do this. I do my job. And in doing my job, if you don't play as hard, if you don't do your job, that's on you. But I'm doing my job. I would like to see Kevin Durant break out of his shell a little bit and become a much more vocal and energetic leader. Lead on the court with your energy. I think there were a couple times in this game against Portland where he had some good dunks and did that. And I think KD needs to understand, look back at your career, Kevin, and think, could you have won a lot more? I don't look at Kevin Durant and see failure in any way, shape, or form. This isn't a guy that chokes. It's nothing like that. I'm not even ripping Kevin Durant. I'm just saying, KD, I don't think you realize how your greatness is perceived and how much better other people around you will play if you bring your own emotion. When you're just simply great, okay, we all wish we were, but when you're just simply great, I think a lot of players sit around and think, I can't do what KD does, and that's just the end of it. But if you brought an emotional energy to the game, I think then everybody would say, okay, I can't match his talent, but I can match his energy. And they would start bringing more. I actually accept, KD, that's not necessarily your responsibility. That's not your responsibility. Okay, a professional athlete should be bringing their own energy every single night. That's their job. But how bad do you want to win, KD? I mean, if I told you, if, if we argue that I'm right, I don't know if I am, but if we say that I'm right, that players on your team would play better if you lifted them emotionally through your through having an emotional outburst, for you being a leader in that kind of way, not just the way you lead kind of in your comfort zone, but you started getting people out of their comfort zone and started showing an intensity that I believe you play with every game. 
I do believe he plays with an intensity every game, but I don't think he shows it. He's not a drain on the energy of everybody else, but I don't think he gives energy to a lot of people. It's not a personality flaw. It's just who he is. But, Katie, if it meant more championships, wouldn't you be willing to change? I think this team needs that. There's been a lot of teams in your past that have looked to you for emotional leadership, and you don't bring that. And that's your choice. You're not doing anything wrong by not bringing it. But don't you want to win more than you have? I think I think this team needs you to do that. Book. I think you can start doing it again. Some of your dunks yesterday got people going, okay? It's time for more emotion from this team. Quit playing in such a way that, hey, we're a veteran-laden, star-laden team. We can be kind of Joe Cool here, and we're going to wait till the end of the year before we turn it on. Or this whole regular season is an experiment to us for us to figure it out. Listen, if you're not playing with an, emo- with an energy that takes an emotional toll every game, then there's no price to be paid. You're really not getting better as a group. You think you are, but you're not. I'm really fired up for tomorrow night's game. Sacramento is a team that never takes a second off. Sacramento is a team that never stops fighting. Right now, Phoenix is a team that will stop fighting from time to time. we got a lot to see uh, coming up this weekend, and I'm excited to see it. I want to stay in basketball. I want to talk a lot of football coming up after the revenue-generating portion of the program. But let's talk U of A. I've already talked football. We haven't talked basketball what a bad loss, losing to Washington State 73-70. to But I, man, do you have a good coach. I loved the comments of Jed Fish. Or Jed Fish, I'm, I'm still stuck on Jed Fish. I loved the comments of Tommy Lloyd not being afraid to drop the hammer on his team. Bruce, I'm not into comparing losses. Yeah. What I see is an average basketball team. Okay, that, that has these really high moments, and then they relax. That's what I see. So, so we got to figure that out as a coaching staff. Whether that's, you know, shaking up the lineup. You know, I mean, these are all things I got to think about. You know, changing what we do, but but uh, but but everything's you know on the table. The reason why I like that so much is imagine this is a team as good as they were undefeated till they took on Purdue in Indianapolis. Very very difficult schedule. But now they've got two bad road losses in the conference that a team of that skill level should never have. And he just said it like it is. Right now I see an average basketball team. If he's willing to say that to the media and not protect his kids, imagine what he's telling them. A coach is always harder on the players directly than they are to the media. So if you're that tough on the players, I see an average basketball team. Boy, does that resonate. And you remember how well they played the last time he got after them. Now, it's scary to think if you're a U of A fan, why does he have to keep getting after them? Why isn't there more coming from them right now? And I like where he went in his next quote, where he was frustrated with the amount of whining U of A was doing at the officials. The players, listen, you play in the Pac-12. The Pac-12 is famous for bad officiating. It's incredible when you watch a game in the Pac-12, the arrogance of the officials as if they're good when they're not. 
That's, hey, welcome to the league. Quit your whining. The more you whine about it, the worse it's going to get. So listen to how he handled one of the major reasons why he thought they lost by three. I mean, we, we missed a bunch of layups, and I told our guys, if you want to win games in the NCAA tournament, they don't call fouls in the charge circle. We're built to finish those shots. We didn't. Individual responsibility. You get it in there, you got to finish. That's a coach right there. That is the definition of coaching. Do you want to win in the tournament? Because in here they don't call fouls. So you want to whine in January because you thought you got hacked. Okay, guess what? They're not calling it in two months, so why are you worried about whether or not they're calling it now? Personal responsibility. You've got the ball in that circle. You put it in the basket. Don't wait for a call. Don't wait for a whistle. You put it in the basket. Quit screaming and one every time somebody breathes on you. Make the bunny. Slam it home. Play the game in the post angry. Do what you've been coached to do. I, I love it. Now, here's another interesting topic, and I, I love how he handled this question. Caleb Love had 28 points. If you're a U of A fan, this is a good debate. Did Caleb Love play well? I would say he was kind of neutral, and here's why. If you have to take 25 shots, you darn well better score 28 points. That's what He was 10 of 25. At the same time, did anybody else do anything? It's a lot of standing around for U of A. So when asked about the performance of Caleb Love, I like how Tommy Lloyd looked at everybody. Love's got to start looking at other people, and other people need to start doing something to earn the right to have Caleb Love look at him. You know, and, and, and when he gets in those moments, he's not afraid to, to shoulder the burden. Yeah. We need some other guys to step up and, and help him shoulder that burden. And then maybe he'll feel less inclined to, to be so aggressive. But his teammates have to make him feel that. Now, he has to let him. You know, it's a two-way street. But, but you know, I'm not, I'm not putting anything on, on, on Caleb. I mean, he, he, he gave us an opportunity to, to win that game with some of the things he did on offense, and we just didn't capitalize on him. I, I, like, I, like, I like the balance. And the reason why I like the balance there is because, Caleb, that's wrong if somebody's earning the ball from you. And now you're going to be able to show film under that guise and say, look at you guys standing. And you can tell Caleb right in front of those guys, if they're not moving, I don't want you to pass it to them. You're the best offensive threat. I don't care how many shots you put up. And then you look at those guys. And you say, I am going to jump Caleb's junk if he doesn't give you the ball when you're moving, when you're fighting through, when you're setting a hard screen and then making a hard roll to the basket. When you're doing the things this offense is designed to do, he darn well better move the ball. But in this game, I'm not getting on him at all. Because just by talking about this, I'm sure that there's a little bit of people in the locker room chirping a little bit about moving the ball a little bit. They look at the stat sheet and saw he shot it 25 times. Well, what did you do to earn a shot? U of A fans, this is probably the worst weekend of your life with Jed Fish, just from an athletic standpoint, with Jed Fish leaving and a loss to Washington State. But, man, you've got a good basketball coach. And 
the listening to the things that Tommy Lloyd said, I can't wait to see how they do against USC and UCLA this week. I right, As of right now, I plan on going to the ASU game Wednesday night, so I probably won't get to see U of A against USC. It's on national television. I'll probably have to wait till Thursday to watch it. I'll try to get home in time to, to watch it Wednesday night. But I'm excited to see those two games because I love great coaching, and I like to see whether or not the players do anything about it and whether or not the players respond. All right, coming up next. Basically all football the rest of the way. Talking NFL, talking playoffs, the future of everything Cowboys, the class of Dak Prescott, the story of C.J. Stroud, and the weather. The weather. Kind of funny. Did anybody really think Miami was going to be able to handle that? That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. It's big, it's juicy, it's meaty. Get your burrito at Burrito Express. If you're having a hangover, a bad day, even a good day, still get your burrito at Burrito Express. It will make you feel better. Burrito Express started with my father about... 25 years ago, he got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old. And I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. I do think it's all media speculation, but I'm interested in if it manifests itself into something legitimate. The future of Mike McCarthy as head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. If Dallas Cowboys were a loser yesterday, 48-32. to 32. Game wasn't even remotely, even remotely as close as that sounds. And Mike McCarthy being head coach and another loss in the first round of the playoffs, and this time as a two-seed, is getting all of the blame. And I'll never forget, I, I didn't see it coming, but it happened. Bill Parcells being named the Dallas Cowboys head coach. And Bill Parcells being the type of guy that's a control freak, and then Jimmy Johnson, Jimmy uh, Jerry Jones being the type of guy that thinks he knows everything. One of the strangest situations in all of professional sports history. As an owner, he's the greatest owner in the history of the game, yet he's an idiot because he's never fired his general manager. He's a terrible general manager, <laughs> and yet he's still the GM. Well. In studying the situation, Mike McCarthy clearly had a great season, and he's not the one throwing pick sixes. He's not the one that had as bad of a game as Dak Prescott. Say as, as a game as bad of a half. That's the thing. The Cowboys just put up some amazing offensive numbers after they had blown the game. So now the Packers are just drop back, let you complete passes, and we don't care. Just make sure you eat some clock while you do it, and they win by two possessions. But Bill Parcells accepted 
Jerry Jones and went there. Bill Belichick does like on the surface, doesn't it feel like that's the worst fit? I mean, doesn't it seem like Bill Belichick is the worst fit in Dallas? But who is his mentor? It was Bill Parcells. And Bill Parcells handled Dallas very, very well. Why is it that crazy? And you talk about a team that's so much hype and so little substance. Wouldn't it be perfect for a Bill Belichick to go in? Wouldn't that be an outstanding situation to step in? Because now you're eliminating hype. And it's only about substance. And we obviously know he can win with a quarterback when he had Tom Brady. I do think Dak Prescott has a choking problem. But I think when it gets simpler to Bill Belichick, just do this. Then I think it would be okay. Now, what job's better? I, you know, that or the Chargers? Do you Would you rather have Dak or Justin Herbert? I think the rest of the world would all say Justin Herbert because you've seen Dak choke, so you believe the unknown is better since we don't know if Justin Herbert is a choker. I would play that a little differently. If I'm Bill Parcells, number one, no state income tax, I make more money. Number two, I'm going to be able – I'm not taking it unless I'm running the ship. So, therefore, the, if the Cowboys don't want to give me what I want, then I know the job's not what I want. But if they give me what I want and I've got a ready-made team that's that good and they just can't get over the hump, Wow. And now, so it, this isn't a case a case where the discussion is, should Mike McCarthy be fired? The discussion is, can you do better than Mike McCarthy? And that's if you want to make that move. Now, a lot of people are going to argue, should you even go to Bill Parcells? Or excuse me, uh, Bill Belichick. A lot of people are going to argue, didn't Bill Belichick just prove that it's all about Tom Brady and it wasn't about Bill Belichick? I disagree. I think what Bill Belichick proved is he's not a good enough personnel guy to win without Tom Brady. But he's a good enough coach to win in almost any situation except when he's dearth of talent. He cost himself the end of his career with bad personnel decisions. Now, if somebody if he's collaborating on personnel or he's already being given the personnel because Dallas is pretty good, maybe he'll be just fine. I I think it's worth exploring. I, I just bring it up because of the Bill Parcells thing. Bill Parcells went there, Jerry Jones, and, and there's a lot of similarities there with Bill Belichick. Um, the thoughts on, on the weekend, this was pretty informative. I got a, I got a text from an analytics friend. When I talked about Dallas with him, and he just said, check the math. And then he sent me a link to an article on Yahoo. And I didn't know this, but boy, was this interesting. My friend was trying to say sometimes it's just the matchup. Sometimes it's just the matchup. Dallas plays man coverage 39% of the time. That's third most in the NFL. Okay, third most in the NFL. The best touchdown-to-interception ratio of any quarterback against man coverage this year is Jordan Love. Jordan Love has thrown 12 touchdown passes against man coverage. He's only thrown two interceptions. 
and his completion percentage against man is only around 49%, which is a little low, but the yards are outrageous. Gets big yards, challenges throws downfield, gives his receivers an opportunity to make plays, and as they, their chemistry got better, the yards kept going up, the incompletions had already racked up before, but he still kept taking his shots. So you're, you actually have one of the best quarterbacks against man coverage that we didn't realize, but a lot of teams don't like to play man because he's not only good at it, but because he's got good legs. If you're playing man coverage, here's what that means. I'm covering you, so when you run down the field, I'm watching you the whole time. My back is to the quarterback. So if Jordan Love says everybody's covered, but everybody's running with their back to me, now Jordan Love can roll out and run down the field. If you play zone, now it's more up to the intelligence of the receivers. I'm going to cover areas, and as long as you don't have a very definitive plan to flood different zones, I'm going to cover areas. I'm going to be able to keep my eyes on the quarterback. You're not going to be able to run. Hopefully, I shut things down and my pass rush gets to you within enough time. Now, there's a thing called single high safety. Imagine playing the outfield with only a center fielder. You think this guy is such a punch and Judy guy that he's not going to be able to hit the ball down the left field, right field uh, into those gaps. So we're going to put our outfielders playing shallow, okay? So we're going to play one center fielder. That's kind of what single high safety is. Not quite, but makes pretty good sense. Where everybody else is covering somebody or you've got a robber running around underneath, all right? So in single high, Dallas ran single high 65% of the time. That puts them as the second most often defense to run with a single high safety. Okay? Hopefully the numbers I'm doing a good job describing. Jordan Love completes 65% of his passes against a single high safety. that's, That's a phenomenal number. Because that means that you're able to pinpoint the accuracy with pre-snap read, post-snap validation, throw somebody open to a spot, and to be able to put it in that spot so the single high safety becomes irrelevant. He's thrown for 776 air yards against that. What that means is the flight of the ball from the time it leaves the line of scrimmage, goes past the line of scrimmage, until it's caught. He's got over 700 yards. So that doesn't include yards after the catch. And obviously, it's like, hey, if the single high safety forced you into a check down, we're not giving you any credit for air yards. We're actually taking yards away. The guy caught it three yards behind the line of scrimmage. It's minus three air yards. So that's a pretty high number. Eight touchdowns, one interception, and he's got a 104 quarterback rating. Jordan Love is the highest-rated quarterback against a single high safety in the NFL. Now, I am not giving you these numbers as if the Dallas Cowboys don't know this, okay? They've got the same analytics. But now you've got this very difficult thing that you've got to make a decision about if you're the Dallas coaching staff. And... That is, how are we going? What are we going to do? How are we going to change things? Because if you don't change, 
then you're going right into the strength of the Packers' offense. If you do change things, now you're going right into an area where you're not strong, an area where you're not as good. You're doing maybe things that you do on occasion, but you don't do all that much. And it's so funny. There were a lot of people that thought if this team loses – Maybe the Cowboys would make a change and go to their defensive coordinator. But Dan Quinn had a terrible game. His players played a terrible game. So either he said, you know what, I'm going to ignore those stats and I'm going to make Jordan Love beat us. And he did. Jordan Love only threw five incomplete passes and three touchdown passes. Didn't throw a pick and threw for 272 yards. So Jordan Love showed all of those numbers I just gave you were 100% real. And the Cowboys stuck with their old game plan, and when they did try to change it up, they weren't as good at it. So, yes, on the one hand, it's all about matchups. On the other hand, Dallas wasn't able to get it done, and they weren't able to change who they are. And that's partially why they lost. And I, when I see that... So you see failure from Dan Quinn and Mike McCarthy. That does kind of lead to a Belichickian conversation. I, Jerry Jones is a drastic dude. I'm, I don't have any sources into this as even a possibility. So please don't think I'm trying to tell you this is going to happen. I'm just bringing this up because I find great interest in the possibility of, of being able to finish that off. Other games that I loved, I love the C.J. Stroud-Houston performance. 45-14, C.J. Stroud, 16-21, 274 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. I can't help but laugh again at Carolina. I can't help but laugh at an owner that thinks he knows more than his football people. Now, I do not want to laugh and make it sound like I knew. I told you going into the draft, I like C.J. Stroud more than Bryce Young, but I'm not standing on the table. If I knew what I was talking about, I would have stood on the table and said, there's no doubt it's C.J. Stroud. You're about to screw this whole thing up. There's a massive difference between being convicted and being proven right or wrong. And in the category of, you know, I I, I like C.J. Stroud better. Okay. That's not – I can't claim C.J. Stroud's my guy. They're all idiots for thinking Bryce Young could play at the end of the That's not the case. The reason why I laugh at it is there were millions of reports that said Frank Reich likes C.J. Stroud better and that it's the owner that wanted to have Young. And the owner tried to dismiss that, saying, hey, you know, everything's on, everything's on my plate. I'm the final decision maker, but hey, it was a consensus. Everybody was on board. Everybody was on board. Okay. When you're the owner and all you do is tell everybody that you like Young, guess what happens? People that want to keep their job tell you why you're right because you have totally proven you can't handle anybody that disagrees with you. You have totally proven your ineptitude as an owner. So people just suck up. They tell you what you want to hear because that's in the best interest of their families because you're not going to blame them until, of course, you make it up. And now you look at what Stroud has done and the fact that he could have been a Panther this whole time. 
and they didn't want him. And then C.J. Stroud has just been getting better and better and better every game. And don't forget how downtrodden that whole franchise was until D'Amico Ryans and C.J. Stroud got there. I'm thrilled for him. Cleveland, it's kind of one of those things where I, I was amazed how many people, like even Vegas, had Browns as a two-point favorite, and I think their reasoning was this is an elite defense against a rookie quarterback. Let's go with that. But for me, I had a problem with them putting that much on Joe Flacco, that you have a, a thirsty fan base that's thrilled to erase the past, a team that they love. I mean, Texans fans, I don't mean they don't love their team. A lot of cities love their team. I mean that collection of people. If you don't understand what I'm referring to, think of it this way. How do you feel about the Suns right now compared to how do you feel about the team with with Cam Johnson, Mikael Bridges, and Chris Paul, and that team gelling together and moving their way to the NBA Finals? I mean, wasn't that one of your favorite years as a Suns fan? You've always been a Suns fan. But it was that team, that collection, that journey that you loved that team. It's the same way with the Texans. All of the strife, all of the ridiculousness of the ignorance of the McNair's ownership, and finally the McNair's get out. They Well, they were never in the way. They just hired idiots. They finally hired football people to run a football organization with a clear-cut GM and a clear-cut head coach and let everybody do their job, and they've had this turnaround. The fans love this particular team. So they're there, loud as can be. Joe Flacco, wonderful story this year. Great job, Joe. But at the same time, get real, it's Joe Flacco. It's not going to keep going. It just seemed like a no-brainer to trust Houston on that one. The Dolphins I laugh at because, simply put, drop us right now. Have you seen the pictures of Buffalo? Drop us right now in Buffalo. Like, if you and I walked into Buffalo and tried to shovel snow, are we going to be able to handle it, or are we going to take every second and complain and wonder when is this over? Okay, maybe maybe you're tougher than me, so I shouldn't speak for you. I know when it comes to the cold, I would be the biggest wuss in the world. I would hate every second of it. I, I would expect, like right now they're paying people $20 an hour to shovel. For me to shovel, and I, I'm hurting financially right now, but for me to shovel, 300 an hour, 400 an hour, all right, and free scotch. <laughs> that's, that's what it's going to take to get me to do that right now. And it's all the wussification of me. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be out here in this cold. I can't stand it. I don't want to just get me out of here. So the whole time I'm there, get me out of here. Listen, the Dolphins can act like they were ready all they want. You can't come up from Miami and go to a high of seven degrees. The high was seven degrees. You can't go up there and not be focused on when is this over. I have seen it from way too many football teams in my time that if you're not, if you don't live in it, you can't handle it. The Chiefs were outstanding, and it shows you how good Mahomes is, is they were able to stick to their game plan. Tua Tungavailoa looked terrible, 
And he blames what he calls communication. He kept saying, well, you know, it's a communication. We, we got, we're getting up to the line too late. We've got this going on. We've got this going on. No, it's the cold screwing with your guys' focus. He's blaming the whole week of practice. I think he was in their head all week. Totally believe that. And man, was Tua a, a check down king. Tyreek Hill was checked out. Yeah, that was just plain funny. No chance there. And the last game to talk about, the Detroit Lions game, I was there's – there's one thing I don't know if you, as a fan, how you felt about it. There's a guy named Kirby Joseph, okay? Kirby Joseph came in with a really low hit on Tyler Higby, And – I consider this topic fascinating, all right? About, I'm going to ballpark it about 20 years ago. About 20 years ago, that was a dirty hit. That was a terribly dirty hit. You went after a guy's knees. And, and Joseph would be considered just simply a bad person, just a terrible guy. You could end somebody's career doing that. But if you go up for a headshot, nobody says anything. Now, due to concussion protocols, learning. <laughs> I'm sorry. Just some guy takes his shirt off and he goes down the, the snow chute. If uh, I, I'm watching TV over here, what they do is they have huge snow slides in, in between every aisle that run down the steps. So as you, you sweep your set of seats, your row, and you just keep shoveling the snow onto the slide. And then you push it all down the slide. Well, some nut job took his shirt off, slid down the slide to, to push all of the snow down, and then was waving his shirt. How drunk do you have to be before you do that? Anyway, I don't even remember what I was talking about. But Higby probably has major knee damage. And might be out for next year. I, I haven't heard of an official diagnosis, but it was bad. So now is Joseph a dirty player? I'm going to stand up on the table and say not at all. Not at all. And the reason why I say that, number one, is the playoffs. I've got to get you down to the ground. Number two, if I go after your head, automatic first down for this late hit, and they find me. They take money from my family, take yards from my team, hurt our chances of winning. They made the rules. And this is it's it's a fascinating conversation and I don't know if Steve McCollum and Dale Hellestrader are going to get into it, but the amount of football players that would say don't do that. There were reports years ago, you might not have ever heard this. When the concussion protocols first started, there were people that would say that Larry Fitzgerald would tell defensive backs I'll pay your fine if you get fined for hitting me high. Just don't take my legs out. Like, he would negotiate his own hits. I have no idea if that's true. But I've heard it enough times that I don't mind telling you the story. I think that's fantastic. And so here are players saying, I'll deal with the headshots. But I know if you take my knees out, I know how long I'm out. I know I'm done. And that happened yesterday in the Lions win. They win 24-23. Jared Goff, 22 of 27 for 277 yards. Stafford 
pretty darn good. 25 of 36 for 367, two touchdowns, no picks. Puka was crazy, 181 yards. But the catch was nobody else was really open. Rams had a really hard time finding open people. And Detroit, just their offense at the beginning of the game was unstoppable. Like, boom, 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 straight down the field. And then the Rams are playing catch-up, and they almost did. And Detroit wins their first home playoff game since 1990. No, their first playoff game since 91. And I think their first home playoff game, gosh, maybe since since before the Pontiac Silverdome. I don't think they won a – I think they won one, yeah. That's – this is cool for Lions fans. Like I, I, I hate Michigan. Uh, I, I never want teams from Detroit to win, but I, I love Dan Campbell. I love that he brings toughness back to football. That's 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 something that's been terribly missing, and people mock toughness now. And as the wussification of America goes on, there are so many people that wanted to make fun of him to act like his way wasn't going to work. And you see the turnaround. And it really, to me, it makes me laugh, too, about how bad of a head coach Matt Patricia was, of how much he couldn't bring people together. And it shows you the power of somebody like a Dan Campbell who makes everybody on that team feel like they're fighting together. They're in this together. It's kind of one of those lessons about life that when you talk about the sum being better than the parts – what do you bring to the table at work? Do you make everything better? Are you the type of person that when you get to work, it galvanizes other people? Or are you the type of person that's kind of a complainer? Do you always find what's wrong with the company or do you figure out ways to make it great, to improve it? And Dan Campbell is the type of guy that comes in there totally accentuates the positive there's a difference though in keeping it real you can keep it real but as long as everybody around you shows how hard you're working then they believe you when you keep it real i read a speaking of which i I read a fantastic article yesterday do you remember having uh, listening to randy mueller hopefully you had a chance to listen to that conversation former general manager mostly with the saints spent some time with the dolphins he wrote a great article about being the Dolphins GM during the time of Nick Saban and how hard Nick Saban pushes everybody and how on edge you are all the time because if you didn't work hard enough for the next upcoming conversation, you're about to get exposed. But he said it wasn't terrible as some, to him as some people make it out to be because he said Nick Saban worked just as hard, if not harder. Nick Saban worked so hard, even though he's the coach, worked so hard at personnel. Now, Nick Saban was in charge of everything, so he was the type of head coach that got to hire his own general manager because he was above the general manager, and he hired Randy Mueller. But... When it came time to player evaluations, the draft, free agency, things like that, he went after everybody with questions. And Randy Mueller said a lot of people think he's stubborn, and no. You could easily get him to change his mind. All you had to do was out-prepare him. 
And he kind of means that as a joke because it's so hard to out-prepare Nick Saban. But if you're prepared, you challenge him on his reasons with better reasons of your own, he said Nick Saban would change his mind. And then that gets into the, because of how hard Nick Saban worked, then it's okay of how hard he's driving you. And I really look at, not that they're the same person at all, Dan Campbell's totally different than Nick Saban. But Dan Campbell has a fantastic way. I remember seeing it when he was an interim coach with the Dolphins one year, and I thought, why don't they hire this guy? This guy works so hard to put you in great situations and believes in you so much that you feel it of, I'm a part of something great. I don't want to be the one to let everybody down. It raises your game. Do you bring that? I, I hope I do. Uh, you know, obviously I have to ask people that I've worked with in the past of whether or not I succeeded at something like that. But does everybody come to work? I, I hope people come to work and say, okay, A, I'm, I, I want to work with you. But B, I hope they feel challenged. I, I hope they do. I hope they feel like they get better at what they do. And if they, if they don't, then I need to get better. But what about you? What do you bring? Beat Dan Campbell. So if you're not working today, you don't wait till tomorrow. But be Dan Campbell in the workplace. Believe in other people till they show you they can't be believed in. Don't be afraid to make a change if you're the employer. You know, move forward, be aggressive. It's you know they buried themselves. Dan Campbell, however, has always been very clear. That's the one thing that if, if you know if I would critique the old station, they. It is my fault because I hated evaluations. I thought evaluations were a waste of time because nobody really did them correctly. They really weren't. All they did was tell me I was great, wonderful, wonderful, and then you fire me. Well, then I obviously wasn't great. Then you obviously had issues with me. So the evaluations were fake so you don't get sued. No, in the evaluations, really stress, this is where your job status is. But I'm not threatening you. I'm believing in you. That's why I'm explaining that to you. It's kind of funny. So many people are afraid of the reaction of the other person so you don't have those meetings. Well, if you're afraid of the reaction of the other person, then it's very simple. They don't need to be there. I mean, if that person is so defensive that when you have a conversation with them about being better, they don't belong. They just simply don't belong. But look at what Dan Campbell does. Dan Campbell's energy is infectious. And he surrounds himself with people that also respond to that energy. And look what happens. You cannot underestimate how bad the Lions organization has been. You can't underestimate how bad ownership has been all of these years. They have continually hired GMs on the cheap. They have continually hired people that have never been a GM. They have continually tried to act like we're taking chances on people Well, in, when in truth they didn't really put in the homework to do what is necessary to win. Dan Campbell's energy was able to change that. If you're a en positive energy guy, You'd be amazed at how easy it is to change bosses. I mean, bosses change because they see your energy and they say, you know what, I, I want that. 
And I know in the old job, I, I deserve a lot of criticism. In the old job, I was that guy for a long time, Mr. Positive Energy. And as things got more and more twisted, I got more and more frustrated, more and more negative, where I knew that the right decisions weren't going to be made. So instead of still bringing the same positive energy, instead of ignoring the mistakes of other people saying, hey, I got my job to do and being as great as I can be, I did have kind of an attitude, what's going to get screwed up today? (laughs) And now what am I? I'm part of the problem. I'm no longer part of the success. I'm part of the problem. And that probably had a lot to do, again, the old job, and I'm over it now, but just to tell you, the old job, when I got let go, I, I didn't I didn't say anything. Like, they asked me, do you have any questions? Do you want to talk about this? Like, no. I, I'm so angry at the level of dishonesty that was surrounding me in that room. Why in the world would I argue about it? Because you have to think about it. A process like that takes so long. Like, there were so many people that knew that I was going to go before they came to tell me. That 15 years of work, you didn't have the class to come to me first and say, hey, this is what we're either A, thinking about doing if this doesn't change, or B, at the time to say, hey, this is going to happen at some point this year. How do you want to handle it? We're going to be talking to other people we want you to know. We're going to be talking to other people. We trust you as a person that you're not going to just be ridiculous to us because we know how hard you've worked. Here's your final day. How? What do you want? How can we make this work? Instead of going to a bunch of other people, telling about 15 people that, that we're going to get rid of our one of our morning show, and then you allow me to find out from other people. I mean, that's, that's pretty crappy, isn't it? But I bring that up because I deserved some of it. I brought a lot of it on myself. And you look at Dan Campbell – and all the times he should have been named a head coach and wasn't because people thought he was crazy. People thought, well, that that type of leadership really isn't going to work as a head coach or a head coach has got to be a CEO type. No, you judge a leader by how much the people around them are galvanized. That's how you judge a leader. And you see how everybody worked for the Detroit Lions. I don't know what's going to happen next for Detroit um, because – I struggle to totally believe in them because it's still Detroit and it's in your head. But if you've been looking at the offensive numbers that they've been putting up since about Thanksgiving, they look fantastic right now. They look absolutely fantastic. I don't have the guts to pick them over San Francisco. No way. It's easy in this first weekend of games to forget the hey, the number one seed is pretty fantastic in San Francisco. And now they've got another week of rest. They've got home field advantage. You've got to go there to beat them. All right, that's that, That's a little bit tough. Now, for game one, however, Green Bay was the seventh seed. So it's definitely Green Bay going there. So therefore, it's the winner of today's game between Tampa Bay and Philly going to Detroit. So with Green Bay's win, Detroit not only is thrilled enough to get one playoff game, they've got a second home playoff game and no way in the world am I going to predict this of course I think the 49ers are going to win but if the Packers win 
and Detroit wins next week. The Detroit Lions are hosting the NFC Championship game. I mean, that's like apocalyptic type stuff. But if there's anybody that deserves it, it's 100% the head coach and Dan Campbell. And then one other thing is just, you know, hats off to Jared Goff too. I mean, an organization said you're the problem, and then I hate to say it, turned around and kind of proved it by winning a Super Bowl without you. And gosh, the emotions that guy must have been feeling to be able to lead them to a victory. It's uh, it's huge. Uh, I got versus Vegas coming up in just a second. Hopefully I don't fall in my face because I'm a little nervous about the only game that I, uh, that I liked this weekend. I don't want the, uh, the heater to end, but I've only found one game that I like. Steve McCollum joining us now. He joins us every weekday morning to uh, talk about what's coming up at the main event and talk about his weekend a little bit. Steve, how was your weekend? Can you hear me? Uh, yeah. It was great. Oh, good. What'd you do? Uh, nothing. Watch football. Oh, good. Good. Doing good. building some stuff, getting some stuff put together, working on some things, and then uh, watch some football. Yeah. Are you? Are you a? I am. I am horrible. I once built a birdhouse that the Fair Housing Committee condemned. What? What are you good at? Building? Oh no no no! Don't misunderstand. I pay people to build stuff, <laughs> so it's done properly. Yes. Oh, okay. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> yes. That's pretty good. I would. I would ruin it. Your. Uh, your number one high. The, I, no, let me change this. What, who was the one person that impressed you the most this weekend? Uh, I would normally go with C.J. Stroud, but I have been on his bandwagon for the last uh, month and a half or so with that offense. Uh, so I'm going to go Jordan Love. Okay, okay. I, I didn't watch a lot of Green Bay games this year. Um, but look, man, these young teams that we're seeing, we're, we may not see it pass. We saw the San Francisco's, the Baltimore's, the Chiefs, et cetera, et cetera. But we're seeing these young guys and these young teams take over the NFL right now from these mediocre older teams out there. And by that, I mean Cleveland and, and guys like that. Uh, and I think it's fascinating to see. I, the reason why I love that story so much is think about how many, even good football people, thought that kid couldn't play. That, that yeah. they had made such a terrible mistake in yep. and, yeah, and, and handling that. Before now, he even took a snap, exactly. though. That's the problem with these loudmouth, you know, national guys, right? I mean, we were all victim to that with C.J. Stroud. And I hold it against C.J. Stroud. He went to Ohio State. Ohio State quarterbacks don't play well. Right, <laughs> Justin Fields? Uh, but, um, look, I mean, it's you got to take an individualized basis. And, uh, look, you got to give the Packers credit, man. It's really cool. when You, you know, I didn't think about this. But when we look at both of them, a Jordan Love or a C.J. Stroud, granted, C.J. Stroud was slighted only really by Carolina, not as big of a deal as Jordan Love dropping yeah. the way he did, well, yeah. and then Green Bay sitting on him for a while and things like that. But for him to get to where he is and to get that win, and boy, think about Matt LaFleur, too. I mean, those. I mean, a lot of people were trying to rip him yeah. for the way he supposedly handled Aaron Rodgers. Isn't it amazing how... The picture has flipped so much with Aaron Rodgers lately seeming like yeah. a wacko, and now Matt LaFleur and well, Jordan Love doing fine on their own. I, I could think back to at least two years ago on the radio program where I said the reason why the Packers haven't won more Super Bowls during Aaron Rodgers' tenure there was Aaron Rodgers. He's wow. not a leader. It's about him. He ignores his coaches, uh, you know, and they should have two, three, four championships, and they didn't. And I think that's proving itself now as well that, uh, look, uh, Aaron Rodgers. 
Rodgers is off in the woods, uh, hating the fact that uh, you know Packers are playing so well without him. This is more of a team. He, remember how he lambasted that team last year and how the GM can't do anything? Yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, Aaron Rodgers was the problem because the GM knows what he's doing. Yeah. And uh, and they're sitting there now in the second round of the playoffs. And being oh, well, they're going to get off. slaughtered. Yeah. Do I, you? I said that yesterday. I realized that, but they're going to get slaughtered again. <laughs> I, I, I believe it. Do you think that Mike McCarthy is untouchable? Do no, you only, no, he's gone. You yeah. think he's gone? That's it. I Irrelevant it out, of whether they get a coach I, that's a name coach. I put it gone. out going. Well, think of the names that are out there. Yeah. I mean, take Harbaugh out, even though he is an option. Vrabel. Yeah, uh, Belichick for two to three years. He did it with Parcells. Why not? Uh, Pete Carroll's available. He wants to coach again. He came over the weekend. He got forced out by non-football people. Those names out there, and you tell me you're going to stick with Mike McCarthy? Here's the worst part. Did Dan Quinn cost himself a head coach? I job? totally believe that. Now, but that's listen. I'm smart enough to say that's unfair. One bad game does. It's not, but it's not one bad you. game. It's but several it's bad one. games. And then yeah. if they would have, let's say they hold Green Bay to 14 points, but they lose 14. 10. Uh, I bet Dan Quinn just gets promoted yeah. to head coach. <laughs> and and now it's not even on the table. That's what he's there for. Yeah. yeah. And uh, that's what's fascinating about this. No, I said it. I put it out in week 18 before the week 18 games. I put my list of coaches that were in trouble and I put depends on playoff performance. And I yeah. specifically put Dallas in that category for that reason. They get blown out in that first round and uh, all chips are on the table. I don't know how you stay with them. I might have agreed with you if we were talking about the divisional round. I just would never have I would never have allowed myself to think there, the Cowboys could play like that again in the wild card round at home. Yeah, and I'm going to ask Dale this uh, coming up here, and I don't know if he'll throw stuff at me or what, but what's the more shocking loss in playoff history? Yesterday losing to a storied franchise, but youngest team in the NFL, or back when, uh, what was that, 95, when Jake Plummer and the Cardinals went into Dallas yeah. to beat them in the first round. Both number one, number two seeds. Of course, uh, he was part of that Cardinals or Dallas team that lost to the Cardinals. Uh, but, I mean, it's it's as a two seed, you don't lose in that situation. First seven yeah. seed ever to win in a first round yeah, playoff. Yeah. yeah. I am not even remotely qual as qualified as Dale to answer your question, but I would say the Cardinals. <clears throat> I, I think that when you look at the history of a franchise That's that what, never yeah. does anything yes. and then to do it there, that, that was, that well, was rookie, crazy. Rookie quarterback, yeah. right, in there, going in there and dominating that game against them. Um, I would agree with you, but it'll be interesting to see his perspective. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, you kind of lumped that Packers storied franchise in that Cardinals were just dogs, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was thinking about that last night. It's What's worse in Dallas's uh, history, right? With yeah. playoff losses. And I've been saying it for weeks. I've been counting. I've been like, Dallas is going to let down. Dallas is going to let down. And they have it and they have it. I didn't think they'd do it yesterday, and that was the game they decided to do what just, they always do and just fall flat on their faces. Like, I could see the 49ers beating them by 24 in yeah. the NFC Championship game, or I was a little concerned if. I still have a hard time believing Philly's bad. Like, I need to get over it. Philly's bad. Yeah. But I just keep thinking, okay, Philly might upset uh, Tampa Bay. And then. It's, well, I, it's not an upset. Philly's favorite. But yes, yeah. you're right. You're right. And then maybe, okay, if I'm assuming the Packers lose, it would have been Philly more than likely yeah. going there. Yeah. Uh, now that I do the I, math, actually, they would have went to San Francisco. Yeah. I'm, I'm most intrigued by this Philly game, not to interrupt you, yeah, just no, because uh, Philly could lose by 30 and nobody would be surprised. Philly can win by 30 yeah. and every, nobody will be be surprised it is that we it is that big of an unknown on philadelphia going right, to this game you're tonight. right yeah. you're right totally uh totally agree with you there <laughs> how much would you need money wise per hour 
to shovel snow today in Buffalo. I've got a video of them doing it this morning from a few hours ago that we're going to play on our program. Uh, I would do it for the experience one time for $20 an hour. I just don't expect much from me. <laughs> and um, judging would, by this. Would you get fired on site? Yeah, <laughs> judging by this video that I'm going to show today, they are not in a hurry to do it. And then, look, uh, I think this game this game's going to go off today. It might go off with no fans. Wow. There is that much snow. And you can't get it off the seats fast enough. And yeah. then all they're doing is shoveling it into the walkways, and then the tunnels are full. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's going to go off, but will there be fans there? And it's continuing to snow on top of it. Yeah. This is going to be. I, I'm going to. I picked Steelers because of the weather, and I've been debating if I'm going to go off of them uh, or not. And I'm. I'm. I'm toying with the idea of sticking with Steelers because a low-scoring uh, affair where you're not going to be able to pass the ball down the field very much, which is Buffalo's bread and butter. I think uh, this could Man, be like you're a so right, Steelers. but think about how good Josh Allen is as a runner. I know, and and I I just see like old school option yeah. coming in this game. No, and you're not wrong. It, it's you know ten point spread. It's just uh, take a chance on Steelers, man, and see what happens. Yeah, that is a that is a crazy. Well, I mean, spread. I mean, here's the other thing, right? I mean, uh, we saw upsets yesterday. It's not like upsets are out of the realm of possibility. Right, 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 right. <laughs> hey, hey uh, uh, what else is coming up? Anything? Is are you all football? Are you a little no. Jed Fish today? What all you do? Oh uh, no, I mean, uh, well, I mean, obviously Jed Fish. I've been telling everybody. I warned you about the UCLA job as soon as Washington became available on Friday. I put out there on Twitter before anybody else and said, "Watch Jed Fish to Washington." Yep. Okay, good show. I. Uh, it's so funny to me exactly what was just said right there by Steve because I have because of the weather I have the Steelers here to talk about but I had another game that I was really happy about I was really positive about and then I just checked the, the line I thought wait what just happened what just happened alright versus Vegas I am starting to feel the nerve of how good this run is that I'm on. Like, I'm starting to feel a man, don't screw this up, don't screw this up. Which is, it shows you what an amateur I am as a gambler. Now, for those of you that aren't gamblers, but you listen to Versus Vegas just to have fun with me a little bit, I do it at the end of every show since the beginning. Because I've always heard about gamblers and and, and the lines that they have to hit, and I wanted to learn about it. And because I kind of wanted to test myself to see what I could do. And it was weird because when I first started Doug Franz Unplugged, for about six months, it was crazy. I was really good at it. And I got to tell you, if you are old school, you don't believe me, go to Bell's National Kitchen and ask Mikey and say, hey, Mikey, I, I listen, I'm, a- I'm a member of the Unplugged Army. And Doug the other day was talking about how good he was at the beginning of Versus Vegas. And Mikey will go, yeah, yeah. Because it was like, it was uncomfortable. And then, starting at about, gosh, I don't know when. I, I would say baseball of 2023. It just, like, like, what's going on here? What is going on? And then I'm about a 52, I have to do the math, about a 52.5%, 50, somewhere in there is where I'm at right now. And that's not good enough. You need to be over 53%, but I'm doing good on units. So at least I've made money overall. Now, in this stretch right now, I'm 14-1-1. One, one. 
I had a 3-0 and day yesterday, so I feel good about that. I took Houston plus the two. Wish I would have taken Houston on the money line, but I was like, hey, you're going to give me the points. I'm going to take it. I took Houston plus the two. Texans won 45-14. I took Kansas City minus the four and a half. They crushed Miami 26-7. And I took Detroit on the money line, and I nailed that by a point. Thank you. 24-23. So I went 3-0. That puts me at 1080, 976-9 overall. And my little heater right now is 14-1-1, which really makes me happy because I just came off of a heater in which I was about 32-27. Not bad. No, that's not a heater when you're only up by five. Where was the the recent heater? I can't remember where it was. But then I went into a little spell for about a week, and now I'm back. Now, I'm totally whipped. I don't know if, if Steve McCollum's going to stand on the table and say, this is the pick. But I am totally with him on Steelers plus the 12. Or excuse me, plus the uh, plus the 10. It's minus 112 is the, is the juice. Because I don't think this is going to be a high enough scoring game. I think it's going to be hard to get a ton of points. So I'm going to go with Steelers plus the 10, even though I totally believe the Bills win the game. I like Steelers plus the 10. The other game I wanted a lot. I, I'm, I'm still sitting here looking at you, not knowing what I'm going to do. Utah played in Denver, or no, uh, Indiana played in Denver last night. When you play in Denver, the worst thing you can have is now a back-to-back on the road at Utah. You go from Denver to Salt Lake. Okay. You're playing at altitude on back-to-back nights. The legs aren't going to be there. Pacers are banged up. I thought we easily had something here. Who's going to bet on Utah? I look at the line this morning. It's Utah minus seven. Minus seven. Like, I got to take the Jazz minus seven against a team as good as the Pacers, and I thought, okay, we'll just go to the money line, okay? Minus 265 is the juice. Are you, like, that means you bet five bucks. I got to do the math in my head. You, You bet five bucks on Utah to win the game, and if you're right, they'll give you your five dollars back, and then they'll give you about a buck 75. Maybe you got a whole two dollars. <laughs> I bet you. I bet you get about two ten. Now that I think of it, that's not right. My system says take the Jazz. No, I'm not doing. It. I'm not doing. It. I'm just sticking with the Steelers. Just sticking with the Steelers. Utah minus seven seems to be way too much to trust them that much. Can't do it. That does it for today. Sorry that I had to That's my own sound effect, by the way. Yeah! <laughs> Alright, big boy. And that's why I don't gamble. <laughs> I was going to say, wait a minute! You can't call me chicken while you sit there and do nothing. Just say, I'll bet you lunch on it if you want. Oh, that, that, see that? Yeah, exactly. That's a heck of a lot more than five bucks. With me getting my beers, my three beer lunch. 
I see. I can't believe you did that. Because now I'm sitting here like, I want to prove you wrong, but I don't know. I don't trust the Jazz minus seven. But man, is it hard for the Pacers. Do you understand how hard it is to go from Denver to Utah, play two games back-to-back at altitude when you're banged up? I'm not doing it. That's it. I'm done. I'm done. Not thinking about it anymore. That's it. Thanks a lot to everybody out at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass for being the presenting sponsor of Doug Franz Unplugged. I got to thank a lot of members of the Unplugged Army. Man, did I get some really cool tweets and posts on Twitter and Instagram about our big news from Friday that this is the home of the Arizona Rattlers. And I'm thrilled to be able to do the games. Dale Hellestreo will be doing color with me. Izzy will be on the sidelines as well. And for us to come together as a group to be able to bring you that and for the nice messages that you guys gave me, thanks. Thanks for that uh, over the weekend. That was really nice of you. The official sports bar of Doug Franz Unplugged is Rosati's and Chandler, but only the one at Ray and McQueen. We also have Parker and Sons Heating, Cooling, Plumbing, and Electrical. Bell's National Kitchen, home of the best sandwich in the entire state of Arizona, and Burrito Express. The main event is up next. I'll see you tomorrow.